0: Having the beneficiaries of those life insurance policies be clients. It's a great client acquisition source. When that life insurance beneficiary receives those assets, we're receiving them in our firm versus somewhere else's.
1: You know, if I'm an advisor building a successful practice, clearly I want to preserve my assets and protect my book of business, and what another great way to do that. Uh, by leveraging life insurance and bringing it into every single conversation.
2: At least half, if not more, of the revenue attributed to the insurance program comes from policy review. There's just a lot of confusion about what
3: clients actually have, and they think they're covered by their methods when they're really not.
0: Insurance companies readjust their pricing. As life expectancy gets longer, prices get lower. So sometimes a newer policy, even though you're 10, 12 years older, can be less expensive than existing.
1: Asset protection equals client retention.
3: Don't let life insurance be the pumpkin spice of client financial planning. But as we know, it's it's always the right season to to talk to clients about life insurance options.
4: Hello, and welcome to BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast. Good to have you with us today. Industry Trend Watch is a monthly series with industry leaders discussing trends in the financial institutions channel. Productivity Trending is provided by our bankchannelresearch.com portal, an interactive tool that reports on channel performance based on data collected monthly from over 50 financial institutions. In addition to industry trends, you will hear our guests provide their perspectives on the evolving strategic initiatives that are driving success and enabling our channel to better compete in the broader financial services industry. But first, we'd like to thank Ameriprise for making these podcasts possible. And as a show of appreciation, let's please listen to this brief message.
5: This is Chris Melton, National Director of the Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group. Ameriprise Financial Institution Group is a proud sponsor of the BISA Monthly Industry Trending Podcast Series. With more than 25 years of experience and knowledge in serving the investment program needs of local banks and credit unions, Ameriprise Financial Institution Group brings a depth of understanding as well as investment capabilities to help clients and members feel more confident, connected, and in control of their financial life. We look forward to learning more about your financial institution and sharing how a successful investment program can be a competitive advantage. Call us at 800-679-1237 or visit us at ameriprise.com AFIG. Securities offered by Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member of FINRA, and SIPC. Not federally insured, no financial institution guarantee, may lose value. Thank you.
6: Hello, and welcome to BISA Industry Trend Watch. I am Scott Stathis. I will be your host, along with Bob Mattel, who will introduce himself in a moment. So we're recording this episode in September, which is Life Insurance Awareness Month. And as many of our listeners know, we passionately believe that to be a true trusted advisor, you must not only help your clients uh, manage their assets, but also make sure that they protect their assets. Obviously, life insurance is a critical part of a, a decommoditized relationship containing trust, longevity, majority wallet share, and hence profitability. So life insurance awareness month should be perpetual. And that is the core of today's discussion. So, Bob, as our insurance guru, why don't you introduce yourself and then have our guests introduce themselves and then kick off the discussion.
7: Well, thanks so much, Scott. And uh, hello, everyone. I am Bob Mattel. I am the guru of life insurance. And that's why I wanted to be more than one month a year. I don't want to be the guru of just September. So let me welcome you to this Life Insurance Awareness Month edition of the BISA Industry Trend Watch. As Scott said, we have another great panel with us today. But before we meet them, let me remind you to visit BISANet.org for all things BISA. And don't forget the Regulatory and Compliance Summit is coming up November 13th and 14th. And I just heard that Mike Mirabali will be autographing any baseball that you bring into him free of charge. So bring a baseball and let Mike Mirabali sign that ball for you. Let's meet our panel today. It's a real big panel. And we'll go with ladies first. Lisa Welcome to the Trendwatch Podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. My name is Lisa Young. I am an Associate Financial Advisor and Insurance Specialist at RISE Private Wealth Management out of Bedford, New Hampshire. I've been in the industry for about 15 years, and our practice has a total of 32 advisors, manages about $2.4 billion in assets, and we service over 3,000 clients. So, my role with the team is their insurance specialist and making sure that all of our clients feel protected.
7: Absolutely perfect. Ah, we'd love to have you on the panel, and we will be looking for lots of insight from your feet on the street perspective. Moving across the country, Jonathan Allen from Westcom Credit Union and a board member of the BISA. Welcome.
2: Hi, Bob. Good to see you. Jonathan Allen, Senior Vice President of Westcom credit union. Uh, We're a $6 billion credit union based out of Southern California. Uh, I'm responsible for financial services and deposit operations. And what that means is I oversee our wealth management business, our property casualty business, and our deposit strategy for the credit union. We are an organization uh, that manages about a billion four, uh, 1.4 billion. Uh, We have 18 financial advisors, six associates. We also have uh, what we call member services representatives, which are registered and insurance licensed. We have about 20 of those folks. So almost a one-to-one relationship for our financial advisors in the branches. And additionally, about 25 that are licensed for property casualty. Um, We do just shy of $10 million a year in revenue. um, And we have a growing uh, life insurance business, uh, both through our PNC agency and through our wealth management practice. Well, thanks so much. And that I
7: hope everybody heard PNC because you don't hear that much from the wealth uh, leader of a bank or credit union that he's talking PNC. So that is very unique. And we can't wait to hear more about that uh, scattered around this conversation. Let's move up to Ryan Eubanks from Ameriprise, a sponsor of this podcast. Ryan,
3: welcome. Welcome. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you having me on. Um, pleasure to be here. So. I'm Ryan Hubanks. I am the Director of Insurance for Ameriprise Financial. Uh, My role is to manage all of our third-party life, LTC, uh, NDI platform. We manage everything from products, carriers, concepts, distributors, due diligence, um, our education and training, regulatory, compensation, policy management, client and advisor experience. At Ameriprise, we have over uh, 10,000 financial advisors, and we manage... Over 1.2 trillion in AUM, two plus million clients. Uh, I've been in the industry for about 23 years now in a few different roles. The last 10 years focused in the broker dealer space, uh, managing platforms, but I've spent some time with uh, a couple of different carriers and a couple of different BGAs in my uh, lifetime in the industry as well.
7: Well, we will certainly be knocking on your door for some more information about those carriers that you've been working with in the past couple of years. (laughs) Let's cross back onto the other side of the country, go back back to Westcom, and we have DJ, the program manager of Westcom, with us as well. DJ.
1: Hey, Bob. Uh, Good to see everyone, and uh, thanks for having me on this podcast. Again, I'm David Jabzinski. I'm the vice president of wealth management here at Westcom Financial Services, again, overseeing our financial advisors as well as our platform program. Uh, excited to be a part of this podcast and share some insights on some best practices that we're doing.
7: All right, well, let's get started with this thing. As Scott said, we're talking about life insurance this month. I just wrote an article, Life Insurance Awareness Month: Why It Should Be a Year-Round Event. Uh, that's in BISA Portfolio. Yet another plug for the BISA on this BISA Trend Watch podcast. So it's September. We're all excited. At least I am excited. I've got my yeti here full of water. <laughs> Life Insurance Awareness Month is just one month out of the year. Lisa, why should financial professionals emphasize life insurance throughout the year and not just during September?
0: There's there's a few reasons. One, it's, there's never a wrong time to make clients feel confident and comfortable. But more importantly, events happen all year. People get married. They have children. Jobs change. People pass away all of these life events change the need for life insurance. Sometimes those needs can, or those changes can increase the need. Sometimes those changes actually decrease the need. And that's why it's really important to be reviewing it ongoing and asking clients each time you're in a meeting, what's changed since the last time that you've met.
7: A lot of financial advisors shy away from asking those questions. How do you make that conversation easier?
0: It's very conversational. When the client is sitting down, in our case, the advisors are meeting with those clients and they're just asking, how have things been? What's changed since the last time we've talked? What's new? And clients absolutely love to talk about when they've gotten married, they've bought a house, they've gotten a promotion, All of those things are exciting, but they're also very willing to share with the advisors, hey, we got laid off, someone passed away, my husband's been sick, all of those kinds of things because they make that financial situation uncertain and they know that the advisor is there to provide some protection and give some comfort to that uncertainty. And the better the relationship is with that client and advisor, the more conversational it is. And it's it's a reason why in our firm at Rise, we have such a high client retention rate. And it's because we have such great relationships and we get to know them as people, not just as, as numbers. And that really helps getting to know and being able to talk through all those life events that happen to all of us.
7: Well, you mentioned client retention. I know that's very mm-hmm. important to, um, for financial advisors. I don't know how many times... <clears throat> an uncovered um insurance need can be solved by someone outside of the bank or credit union and that can lead to a lot of different concerns with that relationship moving away so it's kind of what we talk about with customers once you've got their insurance protection and their assets under management you've got them for life but it doesn't necessarily happen without that insurance component as well dj um what about in your organization
1: uh, thanks for the question, Bob. You know, it's it's interesting as it relates to life insurance. Uh, you know, Lisa mentioned uh, client retention. I think that's so key. Uh, you know, so when we're having conversations with our advisors, uh, you know, asset protection equals client retention, right? I mean, if if members are sitting down and clients are sitting down, having this discussion with an advisor, uh, the discussion is definitely more meaningful. A perfect example. Uh, I can't tell you how many times when an advisor sits down and talks about life insurance, the discussion now is now revolving around kids, grandchildren, family. I mean, these are conversations that probably don't come up and Mm -hmm. and meeting that next generation just doesn't come up uh, in some of the other investment conversations. So I think it's so, so vital to have that conversation. Now, some advisors would say, you know what, I, I'm not going to bring up something that I'm not an expert in. And they don't have to be an expert, right? They they just can help quarterback the relationship and start the dialogue in that direction. So there, there is truly so many benefits. But I think just the next generation, understanding and meeting that next generation, the children, the grandchildren is so vital to this process and uh, uncovering so many other opportunities from that.
7: Well, it sounds like we should ditch Life Insurance Awareness Month and just do it all year. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So true, yeah,
3: huh? just, one thing is, I was just reading an article last week that talked about, um, you know, they said, don't let life insurance be the pumpkin spice of client financial planning. Um, I think the point of the article was basically, you know, just like pumpkin spice coming and going during September, you know, so does the discussion often of life insurance for a lot of advisors. Um, but as we know, it's it's always the right season to, to talk to clients about life insurance options, whether it's the personal planning that we just discussed, or also oftentimes, um, in the business planning market for a lot of the business owner clients that have events happening all year round as well that might affect their needs to cover their business. Do you know that I write a top a top three takeaways and pumpkin spice is
7: right at the top of it? I mean, seriously, that is just the best line we've had
3: in a year. <laughs> I do I do remember reading that article recently. I'm like, that's it's very true for a lot of advisors.
6: as as soon as you said that, I saw, bob's pen go to paper and i'm like oh we're going to be hearing that quote many times in these podcasts
7: (laughs) pumpkin don't let life insurance be the pumpkin spice of the year oh and down in the corner we're obviously on a zoom call we got six boxes up here down in the corner sharing a laugh with me is jonathan allen jonathan what do you have to say about pumpkin spice not being life
2: insurance not being pumpkin spice Well, I'm sure. First of all, I love that, and I do love pumpkin spice as well. Um, One of the challenges I think uh, we face within the financial institution space is is really garnering uh, the attention and the shelf space from a marketing perspective, right? And that, yeah, I'm in a unique position that I have some influence in terms of our decisions that we're making at, at the senior executive level. But like most organizations you're competing with other divisions, product areas within the organization. And to get your institution to focus on something like life insurance beyond just one month can sometimes be difficult. And we all know that it's important. Uh, It's an important part of all the discussions that we're having with prospects and, and members and customers during, you know, whether it be an advisory review or on the property casualty side, when somebody is renewing an auto policy or a homeowner's policy or an umbrella policy, it's a perfect time to engage that customer in a broader discussion around other protection benefits. And that's, I think, one of the successes that we've had as an organization is taking advantage of those uh, face-to-face or Zoom uh, discussions with members to engage them in a broader discussion around overall protection. And if you're already talking about you know, annuity benefits or advisory review or an update to a financial plan or a renewal of a umbrella policy, you've already got a little bit of an opportunity there in terms of reviewing beneficiary designations or the ever-changing landscape to have a deeper discussion around protection. So um, that's my job is to make sure that we're elevating the importance of life insurance beyond the month of September.
7: No, absolutely. And and music to my ears and hopefully everyone out there listening to this podcast is listening to the wealth manager of Westcom Credit Union talking about property and casualty and personal liability. Because really, as a financial advisor, you don't want to be that financial advisor that has a customer come in and say, I need a check for half a million dollars because somebody tripped on my sidewalk and I don't have coverage. Or my house burnt down and I can't rebuild it because I don't have the right riders on my homeowner's policy to replace that house. So that, I mean, we don't talk about it a lot and most organizations don't do it, but that's part of protection. It's not just life, it's protection in general. And with that, I have to give my partner, Scott Statt, this time to answer this, ask the second question or use the whole podcast for question one, Scott.
6: (laughs) Well, I mean, so my, my second question is going to be as much of a kind of a, a, an opinion piece as it is a question, um. And you guys just led right into it with the with the discussion you just had. So, you know, my my opinion is, if I were an advisor, uh, my whole positioning when I sat down with a prospect or a new client is that, you know, hey, listen, my job, if I'm doing it properly, is to not only help you manage your assets but also help you protect your assets. Because what good is it if I'm just helping you manage your assets and then something difficult happens in your life and you lose a ton of those assets, right? So I have to do the other half of my job, which is help you protect those assets. So I'm gonna ask you questions that relate to both your current assets and what your protection strategy is. So we can do an assessment of, whether or not you know you are covered in covered in every sense of the word, uh, and 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 if I can if I can help you be more efficient in both managing and protecting your assets, right? So then if you if you start a discussion like that right off the bat, you're differentiated, right? Right off the bat, that that client or pros, prospect is going to think, well, I haven't heard that type of statement or positioning before. No advisor has ever said that to me before. So then you're differentiated. And you're starting to build trust right away, because what you're saying is, I have to have your back or I'm not doing my job. And that's a big deal, right? Because the objective of every advisor should be to become a trusted advisor. And when you're a trusted advisor, you're going to have majority wallet share, right? When you have majority wallet share, you're going to have more profitable relationships and clearly more sticky relationships, I don't understand why more advisors don't do that, frankly. Um, But what I, so that was a big statement. So I'd love to get all of your thoughts in that regard. Um, A, do you agree? B, why is it, do you think that more advisors don't go that route? And then C, is that what you're trying to inspire in your organizations as leaders and people that support, in your case, Lisa, support the insurance sales? So DJ, maybe you can start us off and then we'll pass it around to the rest of you.
1: Yeah, sounds good, Scott. I completely agree with your statement there. And, you, you know, it's interesting, in our conversation with our advisors, some of the areas that we spend a lot of our time on are on uh, 401k rollovers. And when you think about that, that time, uh, when that individual is leaving that organization, yes, there's a uh, a stoppage of employment, right? And of course, we see that big, large 401k rollover. But I think the discussion needs to also understand about Is their medical coverage stopping, right? Is their life insurance portable? And and so we're trying to bring that into the conversation uh, in in a bigger way than it has in the past. Again, I know we're all focused on that significant rollover and ways to move that, protect that. But again, thinking of these other areas that is their life insurance from their organization portable? Uh, Let's do a full review on that. So, So that's becoming a bigger, bigger part of the conversation. I think advisors, as you mentioned, really can differentiate themselves in the practice if they steer the conversations to these areas. And uh, I think there's advisor education. We're continuing to do that. And I, I will tell you that many of the folks that have entered our business have actually grown up on the investment side, the portfolio management side. So spending time and, and I guess call it um, you know master classes or additional areas that they can focus on life insurance and just being under you know understand it i think is very powerful and scott just a final comment on this before uh, others make a comment is you know if i'm an advisor building a successful practice um clearly i want to preserve my assets and protect my book of business and what another great way to do that uh, by leveraging life insurance and bring it into every single conversation
6: Completely agree, and and the thing about that type of positioning, right? Positioning being, um, I also have to t- to help you protect your assets. Is it's not a product based discussion; it's a needs based discussion. Um, so, Lisa, maybe you can weigh in on that because you're obviously an insurance specialist. But I mean, my opinion, you tell me if you agree, is that those discussions really have to be uh, not product specific, but more needs oriented. And the products then are the solutions to fulfilling those needs, right? I mean, what what are your thoughts in that regard?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the first thing that I say when I talk with clients is that we are going to review what the gaps are that I see, review what their current coverage is, and from there determine if we have a need. And I let the clients know Sometimes there's a need that we will need to protect with insurance. We may need to change or increase your coverage. At times, we might even decrease it. But additionally, sometimes there's a need that we can't cover with insurance, either because they're uninsurable or maybe they don't have the financial assets to be able to protect that need, in which case then we need to amend their financial plan to be able to accommodate that risk or that gap. So it's all about being able to one, identify the risk and the gap, evaluate their current coverage, and from there develop a plan, whether that's that's insurance or maybe we need to reevaluate the portfolio and make it more conservative so that we don't have to worry about those assets being um, depleted if the market goes down. Um, but there was a couple other things that, were said from the panel that I thought was really important. Um, DJ had mentioned retaining assets. And one of the things that we think about is really two things. One is having the beneficiaries of those life insurance policies be clients. And we do that for two reasons. One is because it's a great client acquisition source. As any financial advisory firm the hardest thing is that client acquisition. So if we can bring on the beneficiaries of those life insurance policies, bring them on as clients, one, we've got more of a generational feel. So that's, that's a win. Two, we're developing that relationship. But also when that life insurance beneficiary receives those assets, we're receiving them in our firm versus somewhere else's. So understanding that, there's a benefit to that needs-based conversation. But also, once we have that life insurance in place, having those beneficiaries be clients is really a a win-win.
6: That's a really good point, right? I mean, just, so those beneficiaries are, clearly, if they're not already clients, they're prospects, and they should be talked to. But, you know, building a bridge to that next generation, which is which is critical, you know, given given the transition of assets that will take place over the next twenty some odd years, right? Um, and and it, and it is difficult enough uh, getting the generations after the baby boomers into our institution. so we have to use whatever bridge is necessary to to do that. Um, so there are a couple of things you said that really resonated, uh, but but one is the realization uh, that I mean, DJ said this: the advisor doesn't have to be. And insurance expert because they can lean on people like you Lisa right? Um, right so they just have to queue up the discussion and be the quarterback and then and, then you can do that work your your implications uh, were clearly that you do a policy review as part of the process and that can be positioned as a value added right so if 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 I'm an advisor I would I would love to be able to say to my client one of the things we do as part of our service to you as reviewer situation is do a review of your current protection strategies. The policy review and give you a gap analysis. You may be fine. You may be perfect, which is great, but there may be additional things you can do that that are really beneficial. So I love that. And so a side question, um, you just made me think of this because Bob and I have been getting into discussions recently, in, including in our uh, most recent executive uh, retreat that we just concluded last week about what I'll call p- policy evaluation assessment. So there seems to be slowly but surely an uptick in uh, the use of what I call policy valuation assessments, which are really life settlements, right? Um, I don't like that term because people confuse it with viaticals, which are very different. Um, But is that something that's in the realm of consideration because of the amount of life insurance policies that are pretty much dysfunctional at this point because they're purchase for a need that doesn't exist anymore and you can use the potentially the value of that policy in a different part of the financial plan. Is that something that you look at at all, Lisa, in your organization?
0: We do because needs change over time. And oftentimes our clients are maybe coming into our practice with existing life insurance and we don't necessarily have the notes of why they bought that policy back in 1984. And so one of the things that we do is talk with them about where they currently at, what they currently need, what they currently have, and talk to them about what was the purpose of the policy when you bought it. From there, if it no longer fits that purpose. So for example, we have somebody that's 65, they're retiring, the life insurance was to protect their income while they were working. Well possibly it's a term policy, which often that type of need is covered with term. Maybe we need to start looking at some legacy planning. Maybe we need to start looking at long-term care and we can take that term, convert it into a permanent policy, add a rider on it, and we can repurpose that policy to serve a future need. And so reevaluating where they're at and utilizing that policy in the best way possible sometimes canceling the policy makes the most sense because we don't have the need um, but if it has cash value could we be utilizing that in a smarter smarter way uh, but really evaluating what they have what they need why do they have it and see how that fits in their plan now
6: yeah no, makes sense so, so, Ryan, Jonathan, any any thoughts uh, before we move on to the next question? Any thoughts on that big picture of, you know, the positioning of an advisor that they should not only be managing a client's assets, but also helping that client protect their assets?
3: Yeah, I don't know if your, your question was specific to life settlements.
6: Yeah, well, I just backed away from that specifically and more of the big picture. But in either case, sure. if you have thoughts on life settlements as well, would love to hear your thoughts.
3: I would just add from a, from a life settlement perspective, um, you know, I am a, certainly a believer in, in that as an option for your client. You know, life insurance is a, an asset just like any other sort of asset for your client. And oftentimes, or in some cases, the, the sale of that policy um, is in the best interest of the client in certain situations, depending on the client's health and situation. Far too often we see policies lapsing or being surrendered for far less than they're actually um, valued at. And so in any advisor, in my opinion, you know, for the right type of client needs to, to understand what a life settlement is and how they're done and look at it as a as an option for their client. You know, if they're in the right circumstances, it can certainly make sense um, for a lot of clients. So,
6: yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting arrow um, to have in your quiver in the right scenarios. Right.
7: Yeah. All right, Bob, that's you. Sounds like a plan. OK. So we're talking about everything in this perfect world that everyone just loves to talk about life insurance and every client is running into the bank or credit union saying, tell me all about life insurance. It ain't that way. So Lisa, let me start with you again. In your experience, what are some of the most common client concerns or objections when discussing life insurance and how do you address them?
0: Yeah, there's a few different things that typically are on clients' minds. Typically, insurance as a as a whole sometimes has a bad rap and they don't want to be overinsured. Clients don't want to feel that they are sold. And so that's really where going back to that needs-based approach, helping clients understand what the risk is in their portfolio, what that looks like if they don't have it. But some of the pieces that clients will bring up is one, health concerns. They say, oh, but... I can't look at it because I'm not insurable. A lot of times clients really don't understand what it is to be insurable for life insurance. And often they are more insurable than they think they are. So I'll dig into their health. I'll dig into what's been going on and let them know we still may have options for you. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, The other is that life insurance is expensive and this is. Probably one of the biggest ahas that even some of the advisors I work with have is often we'll be looking at a policy that's maybe 10, 12 years old, and they've checked the box that the client has the policy, we're good to go, not understanding that mortality tables change over time. As those mortality tables change, insurance companies readjust their pricing and as life expectancy gets longer, prices get lower. So sometimes a newer policy, even though you're 10, 12 years older, can be less expensive than existing. And so it's really all about helping the client. The biggest thing that I do when I'm meeting with them, whether I'm meeting with them on life insurance, long-term care, disability, is I ask them, what do you know already? Because then they will tell me, oh, I know that it's expensive. I know that I'm uninsurable. So that's the first thing that I ask when I'm talking to them is, what is it that you know about this already? And that helps lead me to take care of some of those objections right from the get-go.
7: What about that client that says, oh, I'm going to, you know what, I don't need long-term care. I'm going to self-insure.
0: We have, I hear that several times per week. And I let them know, that is awesome. I am so glad that you want to self-insure. So let's talk through this a little bit more. And there are a couple ways that we can self-insure. And you can let me know what way is best for you. So either we can self-insure by you taking money from your portfolio. What that looks like is if you need 100000 for care, we're going to pull out 100000 regardless of your your assets are up or down that's one way the other way we can do that is we can take some assets now we can redirect it into a guaranteed type of a policy where if you pass away that same 100,000 is going to go to your estate same as if you're self insuring the only difference is if you do need care we're going to leverage that by two and a half three times so Yes, I agree. You absolutely can self-insure, which is the best way and most efficient for you.
7: Absolutely, Talk about expensive, try. Yeah, yeah. Live in New York or California, and
2: I know Jonathan's sitting on his hands, dying to add to this. Jonathan, well, Lisa, all uh, great comments, and I, I think for as a program manager and overseeing insurance activities in the past, generally speaking. At least half, if not more, of the revenue attributed to the insurance program comes from policy review. It's a lot easier to have a conversation, um, to Lisa's point, with somebody who's already had some um, risk-based decisions or wealth transfer decisions or protection decisions that they've made in the past. And we can either thank that previous life insurance agent or their employer or their previous financial advisor, but in many cases, facilitating that policy review. And and having a deeper discussion um, tends to lead to some some additional activities, whether it be a review of the uh, the face amount of that policy, the type of insurance that they had purchased, or or um, you know proper use of that cash value. So, in most cases, the answer is we're either going to be to reduce the amount of premiums that you're paying for this policy, or increase the amount of uh, of transfer. Um, the other thing I would add and. You know, and, and Lisa touched on it as well as the ability to, you know, when we meet with high net worth or ultra high net worth uh, clients, a lot of times um, the idea is my beneficiaries are going to receive so much money anyway. Why in the world would I want to give them additional, uh, you know, tax free dollars? Um, and it's really about getting, taking it, making a decision today around discounted and the leverage that Lisa touched on. And I think that's an important de- decision. Uh, for some of those wealthier households, particularly if they own things like real estate or commercial properties, or they have fractional interest in a closely held company. There's a lot of implications to wealth transfer when you have either uh, assets that are commingled with other business owners, or they have illiquid um, assets like commercial real estate or residential real estate. And so that's sometimes it's. We could easily pivot those discussions and saying let's make sure that the wealth transfer is using let's call it discounted dollars so that your beneficiaries don't have to liquidate some of these assets that you've earmarked for wealth transfer and so there's a lot of um, i don't want to say complex estate planning techniques but that when you really start following the money and and during your lifetime you're thinking about multi-generational planning Um, it's really important to have these discussions um, and life insurance can be the best tool um, to, to pass along your
0: wealth. Jonathan, you brought up an amazingly great point. You mentioned that sometimes clients are stating that they are already leaving enough dollars and they don't necessarily need to leave more. And that's one of the reasons that having these conversations with our high net worth clients is so important. Because one of the strategies that we have been seeing a lot is clients want to leave a legacy to their next generation. They don't feel that they need to leave more. But to your point, not all of it is liquid. Not all of it is tax-free. Some of it doesn't transfer smoothly. So being able to leave life insurance in that manner can be very beneficial. But what we've been seeing is a lot of times clients that are in a high income bracket, are really looking for ways to help them today and what we're doing is utilizing some gifting by taking some of their assets today putting it into a charitable remainder trust that is giving those clients a tax deduction now which helps them here and now replacing that asset with life insurance and that's a way to still leave that that asset and that legacy to their beneficiaries, yet also help them mitigate some of their current income taxes or cap gains taxes.
7: Fascinating. I mean, there's so much going on. Um, yes, DJ.
1: You know, Bob, just something to add to the conversation here um, and something specifically to our program that we're doing here at Westcom. Uh, I may have mentioned on on uh, another call, but uh, we do have a, a license licensed um, platform program. And what's interesting with it, we've actually taken our what we call member service representatives, and we split them into two categories or groups. Uh, we have some of them that are focused on PNC business; the other ones that are focused on life and annuity. But what I what I realize is um, to your earlier question, you know, cost and complexity of life insurance is driving members. Into us to ask questions. They're saying, you know what, I need to to take a look at this. And is there a cheaper alternative, or is there a better alternative? So, what's interesting, we we feel having, uh, you know, those individuals, whether it's PNC or life and annuity, that are actually able to have that initial conversation. I think it it serves the members well. It serves us well because we're trying to meet them at the uh, the point of that connection there. So I'll tell you, even though cost and complexity. Are a big common concern in this business. I think right now it actually can be a uh, a driver of new conversations because uh, you know our, our members are asking you know what other solutions do you have, especially right. living in California, right? We understand how the cost of insurance has gone up, so. Uh, you know, our, our membership are coming in. They're looking for alternatives. And I think the way we've set this up, we're able to, again, meet them at that point mm-hmm. that point and look for different alternatives. And so, you know, maybe uh, as we go forward in another podcast, we can talk further about the uh, the operation or the mechanics of our program.
7: Well, well we're going to have a part two of this, but Ryan, did you have something to
3: add? Oh, I would just say, in, you know, in all great comments by by the panel here so far on this question, but sort of getting back to some of the other concerns or questions, a couple of things that popped into my mind are just, we often hear whether it's life insurance and clients talking about, I already have that through my work, or long-term care, and it's, it's I already have that through Medicare, or my health. There's just a lot of confusion about what clients actually have, and they think they're covered by other, by other by other methods when they're really, when they're really not. And and so an analysis of that, and then in talking about, you know, some of your ultra high net worth, high net worth clients, not wanting to necessarily leverage up and pass more on to their, you know, to their beneficiaries. Oftentimes they don't understand that you can utilize life insurance to pass on to charities, to foundations, to leave a legacy in other ways besides passing the money, money on in a multi-generational sense. But, but there are other ways to use life insurance that, that type of client um, can really utilize Excellent points
7: by the entire panel. You know, I'm not joking at either, uh, DJ. We're going to have a part two of this because Scott and I prepare some questions. We're on question three right now. (laughs) We have like a dozen questions, but I'm going to see if we can't get a fourth question and ask Scott to ask one more question before we kind of wrap this up and lean towards part two where we will all come on board with a Sam Adams pumpkin ale. Um, (laughs) I'm doing that because I hear that when you make an endorsement, sometimes you get the product. So maybe oh. somebody from, you know, Sam Adams is listening to this podcast and will send me pumpkin ale that I can share with all of you.
6: And maybe you'll get a Starbucks pumpkin spice latte instead. Who knows, Bob?
7: Oh, he just so, plugged Starbucks. He did it on <laughs> purpose.
6: <laughs> all right. So we have about five minutes left in part one. Ryan, let's keep you on point since you were just giving us some thoughts. And this is a relative question. Um, there's There's been a lot of talk in, in and around our channel about the importance of financial wellness education, right? Just e- educating our client base relative to financial wellness and investments, et cetera, et cetera. And so we mm-hmm. feel that, you know, the importance of life insurance and personal liability insurance, for example, are are critical parts of financial wellness. So give us your thoughts on how financial professionals can effectively educate their clients relative to the importance of things mm-hmm. like life insurance and personal liability insurance in the overall financial picture.
3: Appreciate that. It's a great great question, Scott. And I'll be brief here so we can get the, mm-hmm. um, some answers from some of the other panelists, but it's really all about those one-on-one conversations. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be formal. You just need to work it into the conversations you're having with your client. Um, storytelling can be a, a big part of it. Being able to talk to your, your clients about your own personal life experiences, or maybe people that you know to help demonstrate the value giving your customers a breakdown of two different situations where what will happen if they don't have insurance versus what will happen if they do have insurance. Like Lisa was talking about earlier, how do you want to self-insure here's how you can do it this way and here's how you can do it that way. And not even, you know, talking about the product, but just how to, how to use the solution um, to do that. And and really focusing on, on the why in, in conversations, there's also a lot of great content out there on, you know, for example, you know, I've shown clients videos before on life happens, site, just showing videos of real-life people talking about their situation and how insurance impacted them.
6: Yep, good thoughts. Lisa, I see you nodding your head, so you have some additional thoughts?
0: Oh, um, yeah, I, I agree with Ryan. I think storytelling is really, really important, and some of the things we use in our practice are we hold seminars to help educate clients. We also have them meet with myself, so other practices, you know, having them meet with a specialist to talk through those things. Um, but also just being willing to put it into the financial plan and show them what it looks like with and without. I think there's a lot of ways to educate clients.
6: Agreed. Uh, Jonathan, DJ, any additional thoughts before you wrap up part one?
2: Well, the only thing I would add, and Lisa touched on it is, um, you know, <laughs> we saw this really accelerate um, as we started uh, working remotely. Uh, either in a hybrid role or permanent remote, uh, we started, we immediately pivoted to conducting educational workshops, wellness checks, and, and DJ could, could validate this. Our most in highly attended uh, virtual education event typically is around estate planning and uh, wealth transfer, Medicare. Uh, we kind of lump it all in together and we get hundreds and hundreds of members to participate in these virtual events. Whereas in the past we would work really hard to do an after-hours uh, event where we provided refreshments and we'd get five or six people to show up, and um, so we're it's really been powerful our ability to pivot <clears throat> to provide really great content uh, through virtual education events, and we're we're continuing that. We do them uh, every other month, and again, when we conduct these estate planning, living trust, uh, educational events, they're highly attended along with Social Security, Medicare. Uh, those are the, the most popular topics for our members.
6: Well, Jonathan, and you just queued up what will be the first part of part two, which is, you know, life insurance typically gets thought of as, as uh, you know, death benefits, but how can it be used for wealth accumulation and asset protection? We're going to start off part two with that. So, so good comments. All right. Any, any last, last uh, comments, DJ,
1: before we wrap up? You no, know, Scott, final thing I'll just mention is, uh, you know, majority of our uh, new members that are coming into the credit union are opening accounts online. And so we're we're looking at and We've implemented some online solution now, calculators, things like that, that members can actually go on, do things on their own and understand, you know, some of these different benefits, but then it also engages an advisor at the same time. So maybe in part two, we can kind of expand a little bit on some of those solutions that we're actually using for the life insurance space.
6: Cool. Would love to. I'm, I'm guessing some of it may be the blocks of money guide, which has been talked about before. So, uh, all right. Well, let's let's wrap up part one. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you all for being on the panel. We look forward to continuing this discussion. Bob, why don't you provide some wrap-up comments?
7: Uh, yeah. You know, we're going to save our lightning round question for the part two. I always end with a top three. I'm going to end with a top one. I think you all know what it is right now. It's don't let life insurance be pumpkin spice. Enjoy pumpkin spice year round. So let me thank our panel again, um, which you will hear again in October. We are going to prove that life insurance awareness has more than a month's life to it. So thanks again to our panel. Thanks to Jeff Hartney and the BISA. Thanks to Ameriprise for the continuing sponsorship of this podcast series. And don't forget the two other podcast series focused on our industry, including Untangling FinTech, and industry leadership and success. They can be found wherever you get your other podcasts and music, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you name it. So now it's time to say goodbye and you will hear from us very soon in part two. So as
4: usual, let's say goodbye, Scott.
6: Yeah, goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks a lot, you guys.
4: Thank you for joining us for this episode of BISA Industry Trend Watch. And thanks to Ameriprise for their much appreciated support. Be sure to subscribe to our two other podcast series, Industry Leadership and Success, focused on industry-leading performance and success stories, and Untangling FinTech, aimed at helping you keep up with the evolution of technology offerings in our industry. Goodbye until next month.